All right. Welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez, and I'm here with Marty Griffin and John Downing. And we're going to give you a little quarantine recap of the past few weeks in sports. And boys, welcome back. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'm sure that sounded great. Oh, man. Well, um, we are back partially together. Marty and I are here live in my dining room, and we are uh, on the phone with Johnny in scenic Keene, New Hampshire. Johnny, how you doing? You know, just admiring the scenes in Keene, New Hampshire from my humble apartment. Yep. It has been since uh, the NFL draft since we've been able to get together. So a lot has happened. The world's opened back up in, you know, a limited capacity, but we have live sports now. Um, Johnny, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, uh, what do you think about the product that they've been able to put out? Um, you know, I miss sports a lot when it was gone. It was depressing times for me and, you know, just having it back and having a routine and having a purpose in life is is nice again. But then watching specifically the Celtics games and some of the Bruins games, like I could do without the heartbreaking, crushing defeats and the in the really tough watches. You know, I prefer to be on the other side of those games, the winning side that makes it more worthwhile because those games are so freaking stressful to watch and then to lose it's like oh man i i don't want this feeling I, I don't like this feeling i don't know if i can watch these games anymore like i game seven last last friday for game seven against toronto i was like i don't know if i can watch it but i, I did i did and wait a we made it, we made it yeah we made it through but now here we go again game one last night against the heat goes into overtime and it, it's you know it's a big ball of stress and it's not good for my health so <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's just it's good to have sports back. I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. It makes I've me feel whole two more controls in the last three weeks because of the Celtics. Yeah, I believe that. All, all right, guys, your own uh, sports insanity aside, the product itself, what we're seeing, what do we think? Uh, if you like, if you had to rank what what is on the TV. Uh, you know, one to four, top four sports. What, what's the best? What's the worst, and why? I got mine already. Go for it. Yeah, I, go. Yeah, go. Okay, so one being the best, four easy baseball. Mm-hmm. Boo. Uh, three. It's too early to tell. I think NFL is going to be that way. Mm-hmm. It was weird without fans. And two for me has been golf. That's just my own skewed view in his way because I Jared Goff. I like to play golf. <laughs> no, not that guy. Golf in general, PGA. Oh, with an L. Okay. But it, but it's been it. Yeah, he's from Texas. Don't mind him. It's been interesting, like watching golf without a crowd because you're hearing the players talk more and seeing this camaraderie and also hearing these stories, but. Also, it's it's made their game harder because, like in the rough, like crowds trample down, like the heavy rough, 
and by you know day two day three it's packed down so the course gets easier and the courses remain harder for these guys that's why you've seen a lot of them struggle this year but but just as kind of like seeing like how they've pulled it together and the coverage of it i think it's the second best and number one for me is basketball i think the nba just absolutely got it right i think that Adam Silver and the networks got it right as a whole and treated this thing in the right way. They had a bumpy start, but for the most part, there's been no COVID outbreak, no players getting infected. And the fact that everybody outside of that as well as like TV crews and, and just the networks and, the, and it, what it takes to make this happen, all these people being on board to make this work. I think they just got it right. And the kind of like the virtual viewers and the angles of how they how the game is like you're more focused on basketball and the crowd seems second guess in a way like where i think it's prominent in baseball it steers a game um in such a way and obviously the nfl but so does basketball but i think it's been pretty damn competitive and another thing johnny i don't know if you've noticed is like how the teams you can hear like the benches getting into it and like agging on their players and cheering them on and agging, you know, just giving crap to the other bench. It's been a whole different kind of aspect of the game to watch in general. Yeah. So I'm going to have to agree with you on your, well, except for the Jared Goff being number two. I (laughs) I think that basketball NBA definitely has been number one. Those games have been tremendous. And I think that that might be something that the league should look into almost because I don't know that they will because of what it's done to home court advantage. I was reading an article today on NBA.com about the home teams have a losing record in the playoffs for the NBA. And usually the home team in the NBA playoffs is the biggest advantage in playoffs in, in all of sports, you know, so it just, it really levels out the playing field. And without it, you would probably, I would say I can almost guarantee that you wouldn't have seen Denver upset the Clippers. You wouldn't have seen the Heat uh, upset the Bucks. So it's been really nice to see the leveling out of those NBA games. And, you know, the, even the series comebacks, Denver came back twice down uh, three games to one. Uh, they've come back from double-digit point deficit in, within games multiple times. And I, I just – I it's put a really competitive – product out and is it weird without fans of course but if you're just watching the games themselves i think that there's a real from from the tip which is unusual because usually the last two minutes in in nba are really the only thing that matters but from the tip i find that the games are are highly um both teams are highly motivated and the games are interesting from the get-go all throughout the entire game the series are, are interesting and so the NBA is clearly number one for me. Number two, I would say the NHL is not far behind. The NHL has been a really good product. Um, football, we've only had one week, no preseason games. So uh, football was a little bit rough last week. I, I, I found it was a little basic as far as – I mean, I didn't watch all the games, obviously, but I, I did watch the Patriots game, uh, the Tampa Bay game, and I watched some of your Cowboys games, the Steelers games. Uh, they, the teams looked like they were – Watched a lot um, of them. <laughs> well, yeah, not two, all. Yeah. 16 games <laughs> i didn't watch all 16 <laughs> the, i thought the concepts were basic you know and i kind of i guess that was expected for week one without preseason is the teams would come in um more basic than they normally would so football is kind of remains to be seen but then fourth last would definitely be baseball um 
there's just something missing there. And I don't know if it's the fans or what, but there's something missing. Um, aside from a couple teams, the San Diego Padres and the White Sox, I, I you know, if you're watching Red Sox games, I don't know why, because they are the most boring thing you could possibly be watching. Like, you, you're better off going outside and watching the fucking grass grow than watching the Red Sox. Because it's not just that they stink. It's not just that they're terrible, they stink, and they lose these horrific games and they can't pitch. It's that they, the games themselves, which they set a record for time of length of game last season, uh, they've exceeded that this year. So their games are now losing, ugly losing games over four hours long with no stands in the fans. And the timing is way off on these games. So, I mean, just to go through it. So one NBA for me, two NHL, three NFL, four MLB. All right. So we're all definitely in a line uh, with MLB being, MLB being the worst. I think NFL right now is holding that third spot for me. I have NHL and NBA pretty much tied for first. I think they have similar concepts and similar execution. I love what both sports have done in um, making their venues not feel empty, having new and fresh camera angles uh, that you wouldn't be able to have if you had a live audience in there. And uh, especially in the NHL, they've had some like really cool video game esque angles that they've been able to do. There's just been it's just been nice, um, <clears throat> you know, just just to get something fresh and new and and see something you haven't seen before. And uh, I think the NBA and the NHL did a good job uh, with the crowd noise, trying to figure out what the right balance for is for that. Uh, the NFL clearly still needs to figure that out. Um, I have really enjoyed the how self-aware the NHL has been about it. Like, um, there's been a lot of jokes and and funny things that they've done. You know, they'll still put a uh, an attendance number up on the jumbotron and and shit like that. That I just I I thought the wink and the nod was was very much appreciated. And in the what seems to be um, the wild card spot for everybody here, the second slot for me, I have enjoyed the absolute shit out of watching uh, UFC fighting. It has just been an unbelievable product to to, and and maybe this is just because I'm a combat sports nerd, but I love listening to being able to hear the corner throughout the fight. Yeah, to be able to hear people's orbital bones like disintegrating in their faces. It's just like to hear the, you know, somebody gets punched in the nose and then you can hear the fighter breathe differently. <laughs> you know what I mean? It Just how visceral it is. Uh, I've really enjoyed that. But we are 12 minutes into this show and we haven't even kicked it off properly yet. So episode 53, uh, Marty, you want to send us with that? I'll start that off, but I want to say as a distant fifth was the Johnson's Cornhole Championship. <laughs> it was amazing. The craftsmanships of the boards, the, the, the light tosses of men as their bags slap wood. It was amazing. Marty, your picture in my screen, I'm sorry, is frozen right now, and it couldn't be more perfect. I sent you guys the text of what it looks like, and it's still... It's still that shot that I'm looking at. Um, I don't know if it's safe to play on air or whatever. Marty took it. Probably not. 
a hit of a cigarette uh, or some sort of cigarette, and it's him blowing the smoke. <laughs> and it's just frozen on that picture, and it's great. Oh. Cigarettes are legal in Vermont. Yeah. Not, I better get my not... resume ready for work. <laughs> Damn it. There you are. <laughs> there you are. You're live again. <laughs> All right. We're so stuck 50, on that. 50, 53. 53 seconds. Correct. Uh, tough number for me anyway. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Daryl Dawkins, Chocolate Thunder. I don't know if Johnny remembers this. Uh, I think it's a little bit past or before Nesto's time in some ways. Um uh, Born in 57, he entered the league and started playing in 1975 for the Philadelphia 76ers um, and all the way up until 1989 with the Detroit Pistons. Never was an all-star, but was just kind of that icon of the game that would just try to wreak havoc on uh, backboards, rims, and even he always was looking to dunk on players. Uh, we lost a great uh, legend in the NBA back in 2015. Um, but the sad thing was the year that the 76ers traded into the Nets, that next year that 76ers won uh, a world championships, which never landed in his hands, was that trophy. Uh, but one of the greats, uh, Daryl Dawkins, I'll keep it short because this is going to be a long show. All right, over to you, Johnny. Yeah, so 53 was a toughie for me as well, Slim Pickens. So it was between, I think it was, it was between Harry Carson uh, for me or who was the other one that I had here? I don't even remember. So anyway, I'm going with Harry Carson. Uh, Harry Carson, former uh, football inside linebacker, played his entire career for the New York Giants. Carson was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2002. He played at South Carolina State. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame inductee 2006. Um, he was core member of the Giants uh, linebacker quartet in the 80s. He played alongside Lawrence Taylor and uh, Carl Banks, a couple other Hall of Fame, those two Hall of Famers. He is from South Carolina. <clears throat> he was a fourth round pick, pick 105 in 1976. Uh, like I said before, his entire career was with the Giants from 1976 to 1988. Uh, one-time Super Bowl champion in 1986 with the Giants, nine-time Pro Bowler, two-team first-team All-Pro in 1981 and 84, four-time second-team All-Pro, and a member of the New York Giants Ring of Honor, 19 career sacks, 11 interceptions, and 173 career games. Uh, But again, the numbers don't really tell the story for Harry Carson and just how important he was, Uh, but he was a Hall of Fame linebacker, uh, super important to those – Great Giants defenses of the 80s. And uh, that's my 53, Harry Carson. They definitely said um, he he would be probably known as the great linebacker if it wasn't for Lawrence Taylor for that franchise. I mean, yeah, the, the, the three of them were fantastic. John, the, um, the other guy you were thinking about was Artis Gilmore. Artis Gilmore, that's right, yeah. He was on my brain earlier because um, – in the 2K21 video game came out for basketball, and one of the cards I'm trying to get right now is Artist Gilmore. So um, I don't have them yet. So, we'll, you know, it just didn't match up, unfortunately. Johnny, you got to get a Twitch stream going, man. I'm not that good. The game is so fucking hard. It is so hard. Like, learning to shoot is like a Mortal Kombat move. It is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, I had an easier time uh, with this than you guys did. Uh, for me, number 53, I was all over my boy, center for the Pittsburgh Steelers, LaShawn Marquise Pouncey. Um, oh, the way he, he announced him, I thought he was going to walk through the room. Yeah, right? Eight-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro, uh, three-time second-team All-Pro, uh, he was the Pittsburgh Steelers Rookie of the Year in 2010. Uh, that is the year that he um, got injured in the AFC Championship uh, and then was, of course, out for the Super Bowl uh, that we wound up losing to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, man, what a heart-wrenching game that was for me to watch. Just like my team sucking out loud for three quarters in a row. But anyways, yeah, Marquise Pouncey, man. Anytime he's not available, uh, the Steelers have major, major issues. The line is one of those uh, unheralded positions where it's hard to have a star, but if if there was a star center in the league, Marquise Pouncey would certainly be one of those guys. So, um, yeah, we don't have to go into it too much further. You know, we don't have any hardware uh, for him yet, but uh, hopefully this is our year, so... My number fifty three, Marquise Pouncey. Actually, Johnny, did you know his name? His first name was Lashawn, and that his middle name was Marquise. No, I did know you... that he, he played with Aaron Hernandez and Tim Tebow at Florida, though. <laughs> yeah, with his brother Mike Pouncey. Yeah. Five bucks for anybody who can guess what Mike's f- real first name is. Lashante. <laughs> Tebow. Did you say Debo? It's it's actually James, which I don't know why he didn't just go with James Pouncey, old Jim Pouncey. But maybe he could be like my brother, James Michael. What's his middle name? Hmm. Because he go, my brother goes by Mike. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is James Michael. Oh, okay. Mike Pouncey. Yeah. 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 Anyways. Oh. Johnny, I made that entrance smoke for uh, Pouncey way too early. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You're forgiven. The timing is expected to be rusty. We haven't had a show in months, so. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, don't don't worry. I'm going to keep trying and trying again this episode. It's going to be okay. okay. <laughs> Poor, you, let's, uh, you know, stick taps to Marty here for uh, what he's dealing with on the uh, digital side here. He's He's got headphones going in and out of his ears so that he can... Uh, have his audio come through, but it but the um it's just on a delay and he's he's really battling so uh probably my life on a delay, but yeah. I don't want to do with this show. <laughs> <laughs> but but props to Marty for, for dealing with that today. Anyways, Johnny, why don't you just take us through everything we need to know about the MLB um which I suspect shouldn't take more than two minutes. It Go shouldn't. Ahead. Go ahead and talk about Fernando Tatis, baby. Oh, Fernando Tatis, my boy. So if you have been paying any attention to Major League Baseball at all this year, uh, the one thing that you should should have noticed is Fernando Tatis Jr.'s awakening and uh, takeover and domination of the game. Uh, For so many years, I feel like everyone's tried to make Mike Trout the face of baseball. And... Rightfully I, so, though, right? Well, I guess rightfully so, but he's boring. He's so, so boring. He's so boring. And his team, 
freaking stinks. Every year he is on a last place team. Okay, so your face of baseball is on in plays in LA on a last place losing team every year that spends a lot of money. So uh, I'm sorry, like as good as he is, and he is good. I'm not. This isn't a Mike, a Mike Trout bashing, but Fernando Tatis comes along and it's like he is like fireworks blowing up in your face. Like he announced his presence with authority. <laughs> like he came onto the scene and look at the Padres. The Padres have rocketed to the top of Major League Baseball. Or right near the top now. I know the Dodgers are up there and the White Sox are up there, but they're fighting for the one seed because <clears throat> he's just given that entire Padres organization a spark, which is what the best player in baseball is supposed to do to a team, give the team a spark and give the organization a jolt. They went out, they traded for an elite pitcher in Clevenger, and now they are third, the third highest favorite to win the World Series. The San Diego Padres, right? The San Diego Padres are the third highest favorite to win the World Series this year. And that's all because of Fernando Tatis and what he's brought to that organization. On the flip side, if you want to go to the American League, the Chicago White Sox is another team that you're going to be thinking about for the next five to ten years if you're a baseball fan because they've come out. They shocked me, Johnny. Oh, my God. So they don't have the pitching that the Padres have or the bullpen that the Padres have uh, or the defense that the Padres have. But the hitting is and the hitting and the base running is incredible. Absolutely phenomenal. Abreu, Tim Anderson, Lewis Robert. Lewis Robert is is a fantastic fun watch. Like, Tatis is the must-watch player in baseball right now, but behind him is Luis Robert. You know, he just the things he can do, hitting the baseball, running on running and fielding. He, he's just these two guys are so exciting, and they're they're going to be good to carry the game forward for the next five to ten years. So you can definitely look forward to good times in baseball. No more boring Mike Trout years and, you know, what did I miss with Mike Trout playing so late at night on the West Coast? You didn't miss anything. Maybe a home run, but it, guess what? It was a boring home run. So uh, there's some exciting things to look forward to. The Dodgers, once again, are a team to be <clears throat> reckoned with. They just clinched the uh, first MLB team to clinch playoff berth today. And the MLB did announce that their playoff format will be starting two weeks from yesterday. So on the 20, what is it, today, we should never do math on the show. <laughs> I think it's Tuesday, September 29th. The MLB playoffs will start. Uh, of course, they're expanded playoffs this year. Eight, eight teams per league will make it. And then the one thing that's going to be different this year is they are jamming these games in. There's going to be games every single day. So there's not going to be a chance to – have your starting pitcher go three innings and then bullpen it the rest of the game, you're going to have right. to get get some length out of your starter this year. And they're doing a bubble for the playoffs this year. So the American League will be playing in Texas in the new Rangers ballpark, and the National League is going to play in either San Diego or L.A. Uh, I mean, I guess that you depends on think that's on risky, how- what's going on in the on it is, West but, Coast? Sorry, that was loud. It, it is, but that's what they've announced, so... So we'll see. We got the MLB playoffs starting in less than two weeks, so that'll be exciting. Um, I got my money on the Padres. All right, you're riding with the Padres all the way. Yeah, I got them to win the World Series. Johnny, uh, rate rate Mookie Betts's uh, performance this year so far. Uh, he had three stolen bases today, uh, so he seems to be doing something special every other day. 
He's got, what, 15 home runs, batting over 300. Now he's got, you know, over a handful of stolen bases in a, in a small sample size of games. But um, he's just he's been a great catalyst for the Dodgers. It's not like they even needed him to begin with, but they're even more dangerous right. with him. And I'll tell you what, <clears throat> the Red Sox miss him. Johnny, can you think of a better moment that would define baseball in 2020 than Joe Kelly's boo-boo face? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that almost. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, against the Astros. Yeah, that's another team that's kind of just uh, faded away. And I, I guess that's uh, what the power of the media and television, they can make a team just kind of drift away because the Astros aren't terrible. They're still going to be a playoff team, but you don't hear boo about the Astros anymore. Like, you know, you don't, I barely see their highlights at, like, at all. Like, from a team that's been so good the last few years, like, they've really – you know, just shut down the whole Astros side of things. So, I mean, we'll see come playoff time. But Altuve has been really struggling. Bregman has struggled. Verlander's hurt. So, I don't know. I guess they're getting what they deserve. Marty, you want to take us through everything that we missed about golf this year? Uh, it was an exciting uh, basic uh, season. We we have one one major coming up at Wingfoot, uh, which is the U.S. Open. But uh, we just finished up the FedEx Cup last week, and that was tailoring off uh, the BMW Championship where Dustin Johnson and John Rahm were, were facing off going down towards the end. And I don't know if you even watched the highlights, Johnny. I know you maybe you catch them here and there. But uh, between two putts in the last two holes was 109 feet of made, which I'm talking about two putts that decided this match, and that's, Dustin Johnson hitting one for over 40 feet uh, to push a playoff and then to play back on the 18th and come down, play the exact same green. And almost from a harder angle, John Rahm sinks ones for over 60 feet to seal the deal. And it carried over into uh, what was the FedEx uh, championship last week where Dustin Johnson was minus nine coming out of the gate against the field. I think he was three strokes up on Rahm. That's how they play it out with the FedEx points, but they're battling right again. But, Towards the, the third day, Dustin Johnson just ran off with it. He had a phenomenal year. Um, he pretty much, for the last three to four weeks, was just paving his path to be the best player in golf right now, in my in my mind. But you still got the Justin Thomas of the world. Uh, Spieth has gone into an, a, a further abyss. You didn't think he'd fall that much deeper, but how he's played this year since winning uh, those two majors back, I, I think I want to say four years now. Wow, it seems that that's that far long ago. But it's been exciting, like I talked about earlier, just how the angles and the camaraderie. There's been these charity tournaments to raise money in areas where they've played, which I give kudos to them. So they've been doing these celebrity or players scrambles and playing for money, and you're hearing them mic'd up, wearing shorts, just being a different product of what the PGA's wanted its players to look like over the last couple of decades. So I think it's almost catapulted this sport to be more relevant and try to reach out to newer fans. So kudos to the PGA on that. So it's in my mind, they, they took the COVID situation very well. They, they tackled it and, and they succeeded in, in a lot of ways. Oh, John, one thing I, I forgot to ask you, uh, baseball was speaking of putting the toothpaste back in the tube. Do you think, that this expanded playoff format is going to be the way to go going forward and having the condensed schedule and getting it done quickly and, and kind of 
trying to liven up the playoff process uh, for baseball as we've seen it become kind of arduous and long? No, they won't get rid of the game. The one sixty-two, just no, n- not the season. The the playoffs. Uh, no, uh, it, as much as we want that, I don't think so. Um, you, you asked what I think. I just don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't see it. I think that. So this is a one-off. I think it's just a one-off. Uh, yeah, in fact, I'm. I'm pretty sure it's just a one-off. So, uh, it's something that they would have to work into the next collective bargaining agreement. But uh, as far as right now goes, it goes back to the way it's been next year. If it's exciting and it gets viewers, I think it's something that definitely could be something that goes onto the table for talks when the CBA is up. Um, But if it doesn't peak interest or if it's less than as far as viewership goes, um, then it'll definitely remain a one-off. Even Johnny, even if like next year there's still like a limitation on crowd size, I mean, it, it, there's going to be a crowd like there is in some football games right now, but it's just diminished to a point it's not profitable. Do you see them well, maybe yeah. thinking about this format yes. again? I, I mean, yeah, so that's the caveat, I guess, would be, yeah. So, you know, the, the, if the fans are not back to 100% capacity by next April, opening day when it comes around, then, you know, the commissioner can make, make the changes and I, yeah. So in order to recoup revenue that the league would be losing from no fans or lack right. or, or some fans, then, then yes, that's something that he could probably put back on the table. But if the fans are back, then no. Okay. Let's get into NHL here. Johnny, I think this was an interesting uh, experience for us as fans of teams that did really well this year my team did really well despite what seemed like an endless avalanche of injuries. We were still able to find wins, third line depth. We had a lot of momentum, a lot of things going. Your team was just kicking ass and taking names. President's Trophy winner somehow winds up the fourth seed in this tournament. And yet at the at the end of this playoffs, both of us are looking at rebuilds here and possibly our team's getting blown up. So... What are your What are your thoughts about that? I just I did not like the Bruins' stance going into the bubble. Uh, they didn't, you know, when the Stanley Cup is awarded to the Lightning or the Dallas Stars this year, it is going to say 2019, 2020 Stanley Cup champions. That is what it is going to say on the Stanley Cup when it is awarded this year, okay? Mm -hmm. The Bruins treated it like it was a different season. They went into into the bubble like it was some separate entity and that they were, you know, not treated fairly and that the games counted differently. And, you know, they said as much and other teams knew it. Even so when they were playing Tampa Bay, and uh, their coach, uh, John Cooper, Cooper, he said, you know, you could hear him saying it to his team when they were on the bench, you know, this team doesn't want to be here. They've proven that they don't want to be here. So let's 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 give them reason to not be here and let's put them away. So like even even the teams that the Bruins were playing 
knew that they didn't want to be here. And obviously that came, you know, first and foremost from Tuka Rask when he left the bubble. And, you know, to Coach Cassidy's comments the entire time, Brad Marchand's comments too, from the beginning of the bubble, in the middle of the bubble, and even outside of the bubble when they got back home, they said it didn't seem real to them. Well, it's good in 20, 30, 40 years from now, it's going to look like another season, and it's going to look like a season where the number one team didn't do very well in the playoffs. Yeah. That's all it's going to be. So, boo hoo, cry me a freaking river. I don't give a crap what you thought it was. The other teams were playing hard. The Lightning took it seriously. The Dallas Stars took it seriously. And the, I don't know why the Bruins would choose not to take it anything but seriously when the clock is ticking on that team almost more than any other team in the NHL. They And they were poised and set up to take advantage of it. And then they just folded up tent like a bunch of softies, which is – not the Bruins that I've come to know. So it's left a really disappointing taste in my mouth as far as this season goes and going into the next year. Uh, so, so, so moving into next year, do you think Chara returns? Yes. Limited on, capacity. How do you have a captain on limited capacity? They strip him of the captain. They replace the C with an A. And they say you're going to be on the second line or the third line defenseman. You're not going to be on the first line, and you're going to play diminished minutes so we can keep you fresh. He wants to play. I don't know what to say. I don't, see, I don't see how you do that. So I they're just going to let him go? I think he retires. Has there ever been a player? I don't think he wants coach, to. Like position in hockey ever? Yes. I mean, it's not slap yeah. shot. Yeah, no, but, but that's but, happened. It has there happened. has been in the NBA. There has been in the MLB. Yeah, I mean, th there's an argument to be made that Sergey Gonchar was that uh, for the Penguins in 09. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. But the one thing is is almost certain, though, is Tory Krug is gone. Um, mm -hmm. So that was going to be my next question. Is Tory Krug yeah. back? So no. Yeah. No. Uh, and the next thing is, you know, David Pasternak's got to figure out if he wants to be an elite player in the NHL. And if he does, then he's got to start taking it seriously because he is another one who came back to the bubble, not ready to go. He came back late. Um, he wasn't obeying COVID protocols. So, it, you know, he was behind the rest of his teammates. Uh, and then he got hurt playing a pickup game in Charlestown with some of his buddies before the bubble, before going to the bubble. So he almost missed the plane to the bubble. Uh, the guy for being such an elite goal scorer, he he can't he can't be too reliant on that because in the playoffs, teams hit him and they take him away and they minimize his effect on the game. And I think if you want to be a great player, you have to be able to overcome those things. So I think that's I think that's a lot a result of the Bruins being a one line team. Yeah, maybe. So Just I don't know. Brad Marchand, the C. <clears throat> no, Bergeron's going to get it. <laughs> yeah, Bergeron. You could call him Captain. He deserves Lick. it. He deserves it. And and that'll be a nice, uh, a nice feather he? in his cap. But does he? Because he gets outplayed by opposing team centers year after year in the playoffs. Ryan O'Reilly last year, 
this year in the playoffs. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, we, I, I mean, we all love Bergeron in Boston, but is he a tad overrated? Do we overrate him a tad? Maybe a little bit. Maybe oh, a little bit. Man, wow. A little bit. You're listening too much lo- to too much local radio. He's bunkered down for a long time. Ways <laughs> he's been relying on that radio. <laughs> um, as far as it goes for the Penguins, I think we were just really hurt. Of course, it was disappointing to lose four to one uh, in the in the play-in series. It's not even technically the playoffs. Up until this point, the Penguins were the um, had the longest streak for consecutive. Uh, playoff appearances. Technically, this is postseason, so it's it's tough to um, really quantify it. But but it really feels like the streak has been broken, and at last, like like once that once that happened with uh, the Red Wings, it's like they they like were able to exhale, and then they fucking got rid of everybody and were terrible. And I feel like that's that's coming for the Penguins, and we just underperformed pretty much the whole time we find out of course that uh there were a lot of injuries and you know the whole thing was just a very different situation hockey players are definitely known for their uh dependence on routine and ritual and you know they're viciously superstitious and and unable to to do the things that get them in the right mindset um, but I did see some things that, um, I'm like really finally coming to terms with. It's like, uh, between Sid and Gino, we're probably only gonna have one of them retire as a Pittsburgh Penguin, um, and I think it might be worth, you know, blowing up a good portion of this team, uh, you know, sending Matt Murray away, uh, j- just just really trying to start over and have the new Penguins be uh, a team that is very young, very fast, with good leadership. Does anybody want to say anything in response? <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> wow, you toss it up. It's a perfect spike, and he just watched it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's all right. It's all right. We'll 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 talk about basketball. That's what we all came for. So you're not going to talk right. about the stars? <laughs> oh, right, right. Yes. Yeah. No, let, we got to let Marty go. I talk a little bit about them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't start watching until they played play Vegas. Excuse me, <laughs> Vegas. It's you didn't watch it. You didn't watch any of the games against Colorado. I watched here and there. I didn't. I didn't. I still have a very hard time until playoff time to watch hockey through and through. Man, that Colorado through. series was insane. This is the playoffs. No, run. but I'm just saying, like. They just bursted onto the scene. And the first round when they won, I'm like, okay. Yeah. But to take Vegas 4-1. Yeah. I was Nobody like, holy shit. That. I caught like the last four games. Yeah. And 
one thing that stood out to me was, and I, here we go in my segment of me mispronouncing a hockey player's oh, name. Oh, I love this. <laughs> Ew. Uh, between the pipes for Dallas, we have Anton Kadobin. Former Bruin, former Boston Bruin. Um, I just thought he was incredible. He stopped 153 shots out of 161 on, on the net. That's 95, uh, 95% save percentage right there. Blows my mind. Is yeah. that, and it's incredible, right? Yeah. I don't, for no. somebody who doesn't watch a lot of golf yeah. matches. <laughs> now I'm like throwing it up there and everybody's like, uh, what are, yeah. you trying, what are you trying to say, buddy? No, it's crazy. And and they're doing it with guys that are not their stars. Like Tyler Sagan might as well be wearing a red and white striped fucking turtleneck. Ha! Well, I, was re- I was reading an article and, and tell me what nowhere. this means as far as you guys watching hockey way more than I do, like what it means to be malleable. They they, they call the team um, a group of shapeshifters, like they've just been adjusting through the playoffs against each team. Yep. So as what I saw is like just a hard change of lines and them just going 90 to nothing and exciting and defensively coming out, of, uh, you know, just being amazing. And I think if they're offensively, Johnny or, or Nesto, they're like uh, like twenty third in scoring in the league, and they're, and they're going to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, but against Colorado, you know that that there was like not and it, like not almost nine goals combined every game, and it, it was insane. And it was st- and it's not just it's not just that they're winning. It's not like the Islanders winning, where the Islanders win games two to one or score an empty netter to win three to one. No, they'll be down like in the closing game against Vegas. They were down two nothing with ten minutes to go, and I was like, oh, "Okay, Vegas has that one." But I should know better because I've been watching these Stars games, and th- and this is what they've been doing for the entire playoff run: is they've been doing these late comebacks, and then they'll take it to overtime and polish it off in overtime. But they're, they're never out of it, and that's what makes it so exciting: is that they're always just. You know, they keep continuing the fight. Like in game seven against Colorado, Colorado scored the game winning goal with like three minutes to go. And literally 10 seconds later, Dallas goes down and ties it back up. And then the game goes to overtime. They win it in overtime. Right. They, I mean, the games that they've been playing are insane. And there's such a good um, feel good story or, or pitch man. They're the Fernando Tatises to baseball, is what Dallas Stars are <laughs> to, to NHL right, right now. Yeah, because they're so exciting. You know, you don't want a team like Mike Trout is the Islanders. Okay, that's what Mike Trout is. You know, good, solid, dependable, boring. That's Mike Trout. The Dallas Stars are Fernando Tatis. Just exciting. Can't miss TV because they do something exciting every single night. The rookie, the rookie, uh, Yoel Kiviranta gets the game winner. Um, You know, just. They're getting it from everywhere but Tyler Sagan. <laughs> Maybe he's saving it for the Stanley Cup. I don't know. We'll see. I, so what's your prediction for them, Johnny? Uh, well, uh, so I have a futures bet on, on the on the Tampa Bay Lightning. It only pays 90 bucks, but to win the Stanley Cup. But I kind of want to say the Stars. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather the Stars win because I like the Stars better. For the story. I, I Tampa Bay, but I just I I had to throw money on them because I was like, they're the best. They, to me, they they seem like the best team, and the, after what happened last year to them, they seem like the obvious choice to pick to win it all, to win the Stanley Cup this year, or the 
the most yeah the most obvious choice to me. Um, so I think that Tampa Bay is going to be favorites. I mean, they're only up three to two in the conference finals right now, but I think that they will advance and I think that they will be favored against Dallas, but Dallas has been underdogs for the last two series and it hasn't mattered. They, and it, they, it's not just that they've been small underdogs. They've been sizable underdogs. They were big underdogs right, right. against Vegas. They were big underdogs against Colorado. So they'll be big that underdogs Col- against Tampa Bay. And that, that Colorado series was come from behind too. Like they were, getting taken to at the beginning of that. Yep. Yep. Do you think Johnny, if, um, stars go on and win this, this is the big, this is a bigger story than when the, when the golden Knights did it. Well, no, I don't think so because golden the golden Knights won. is an, ex- and the, and it's an expansion team. So uh, I think it's a huge story that an expansion team has gone to at least the conference finals two out of, out of three seasons, um, has, that, has the Stars franchise won a won a Stanley Cup? Yeah, they won. Yes. Yeah, very famously. With Madonna, with, right? Yeah. Oh, Mike Madonna. Right, 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 right. Of course. Sorry. Okay, so yeah, I guess so. It's not that was only like twenty years ago, so it's not that it's not that long of a drought. So, Nesto, you're a Pittsburgh Penguin. Johnny, you're a Boston Bruin. Like, you perceive this victory or this Stanley Stanley Club as a player? Do you? You respect it just the same, yeah. For like, the team across the board, like it, like Johnny said, yeah. It, I'm just bringing it, it back to like it's now, now we're talking about 2019, 2020. And if you have to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, if you have to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, good luck. Well, good here's luck. The, here's the thing though: the Tampa Bay Lightning are so good because of their depth, but they've really dug into their depth. They don't have Steven Stamkos. They haven't had. Kucherov has been playing. He's been playing like a bitch, but he's been playing. No, I know, but but they. <laughs> that's why I said they haven't had him. He he's. Uh, Braden Point missed last game with an injury. Yep. Braden Point was out. They're like those are those are big pieces to be missing. Right, but they still have okay. They're playing with. Know, they got MB, They're playing with MVP Nikita Kucherov. They're playing with Vezina, best goalie, and um, Vasilevsky. They're playing with Norris, best defenseman, Victor Hedman. So spare me a Tampa Bay short. Dude, you just spit. <laughs> they're not short. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're short for them, but you know what I mean? Like, they're not short. <laughs> they're, they're still just as talented. You have to be more. quiet, Nesto. <laughs> that was funny. You attacked me right there. Wow. Johnny, well, I agree. The uh, I don't know. I, I still think they're the they're going to pull it out against the Islanders. Um, I do but... too. So it's Stars Lightning. So where do you think, Nesto? Oh, I I I got a, a ten dollar bet with a buddy that the Lightning is going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I there is there is never a fucking chance that I thought the Stars would be in this position, although. If they do wind up winning or doing well, I'll be very, very, very happy for you. All right. Hey, yeah, go stars. Go stars. Go stars. My, my heart is with the stars, but my wallet's with the lightning. Yep. D- ditto. <laughs> ditto. All right. So uh, l- let's move into the baskets bull. Oof. 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 <laughs> before, all right, before you guys go on a Celtics tirade, why don't you just give us kind of an overview? Well, I'll kick it off to Johnny. I'll, I'll lay it up to you, but 
the emergence of Luka Doncic. I think you saw a superstar in the making in this bubble playoffs. Uh, yet yeah, no, and I agree, but I'm sorry. I mean that for me a couple weeks ago in it, the sports, the sports has been fast and furious coming at you. Like, just like, woo, 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 woo. like it's been hard to keep up. So, but I have been, but it's the, what happens now is you say Luka Doncic and it feels like that was five years ago. Yeah. Okay. So now that. you, you got to remind me now. I, I know it was good. So, but what was it? Okay. Oh, the Clippers, four games to two. But he played great. Mm-hmm. He played great. He announced his presence with authority. Yes, he was fantastic. They just weren't as deep. I mean, right. it was just a thing where their talent just, just matched up. It was just they got hard. They pressed on him. They were physical with him, and they pushed him to the limit. And you could see, and, and there's this whole thing with Doncic. Is, is he still soft because he just seems like he's walking off the court or taking a break here, limping there? And I understand you get beat up. That's where he's got to let go of this baby fat in some ways mm-hmm. and uh, start to put on some man man weight, some muscle almost like Jordan did, and I'm not comparing him to Jordan, I'm just saying, like, he wants to go to the basket, he wants to be physical, you got to be prepared to take that beating and get your body in shape for that, and I think that's where his shortcoming is still right now of being one of the greats. If Porzingis in that series as well doesn't get in foul trouble and do stupid shit that got He's a dog. in a bad position, maybe one dog. of those games could have shift, shifted a different way for him as well. Yeah, Porzingis is fucking garbage. I agree. He's got a he's got a skill set that you're gonna admire and think that you can like break this guy into being a premier player, but he can't get out of his own way. Yeah. No, yeah. So now that we're talking about it, you reminded me Luca had that one insane game where he put the team on his back. They come back and they win and they win in overtime. And his stat line was just forty plus points and every other kind of number you can imagine. Um, and mm. then they showered him in the locker room because you know, he basically won the game all by himself. All right, now now my memory is refreshed, um, but yeah, that was that back a few weeks ago. So, um, but so right now, to me, this is how I put myself to sleep last night, gentlemen. The twenty twenty bubble. Seriously? Yeah, right. No, <laughs> after that loss, no, no fucking way. Uh, the twenty twenty bubble for the NBA. It's the LeBron James Invitational. Oh Jesus. Okay, that makes it easier, doesn't it? Doesn't that help? Doesn't that help? No. That, that helps because guess what? Celtics aren't beating the Lakers and LeBron James anyway. And even if they do advance, do we want them to lose to the Lakers and LeBron James in the NBA Finals so that they can match the Celtics in championships at 17? Do we want that to happen? Do we want that pain in our lives? No. No, we don't. So guess what? Let's just let LeBron have his, his championship. So you just lay down? And lay, it makes it easier, Marty. Because I can't. It just take makes the it easier. Makes it easier. We, we make Tyler Hero your hero. Oh my God! So let me tell you the Tyler Hero story that I heard today. <laughs> it's a new one. I'm just I, baiting him now. Oh my God! So I, I knew I knew this, but I, it I don't know. Like some of the stuff seems so long ago in my mind. So when he was drafted in the last draft, the Celtics had him in for workouts and like private workouts, and the Celtics were going to take him at pick 14, and they were all set to take him. And the Miami Heat picked one spot in front of them at 13 uh, because the Celtics had the Kings pick. um, And there was a coin toss before the draft between the Kings and the Heat to decide who has that pick because it was was tied. 
and the Miami Heat won the coin toss, right? So the, the Heat get to pick 13. The Celtics get to pick 14. Pat Riley, the president of the Miami Heat, catches wind or that Danny Ainge and the Celtics are working out Tyler, Tyler Harrow, and they're highly interested and highly motivated, and they want to draft him, and he's perfect for the Celtics because they needed a shooter after last year. Remember how bad they were at shooting last year? They were terrible. They needed Absolutely. a shooter. They're okay, garbage. so Pat Riley, who hates Danny Ainge, and vice versa, Danny Ainge hates Pat Riley. Uh, Danny Ainge confirmed as much on the radio this morning, you know, after they've had multiple run-ins going back to the 80s with the Lakers anyway. So Pat Riley, just to spite Danny Ainge, goes and takes Tyler Harrow one spot ahead of the Celtics in the last draft. And now it's fitting that Tyler Harrow is burning the Celtics with late threes with a minute to go uh, to bring the heat to the, the precipice of victory in game one last night. <laughs> fitting story. So what do you think the story is behind the uh, collapse? So for me, Marty and Ernesto, the Celtics last night, when they were up 14 points with, you know, just around six or seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, they were playing Celtic basketball. They were playing defense. They were moving the ball around. They were getting the good shots. And then they stopped. They suddenly started to dribble, 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 walk the ball up the court, run the shot clock down to the final five, four, three, two, one seconds and take a contested three-point shot as time was running out on the shot clock or not even getting a shot shot off before the shot clock went off. And, and that was possession after possession. They stopped playing Celtic basketball, and you could see it right there. And then <clears throat> after one play that the Heat missed, Marcus Smart, one of the Celtics players gets a rebound, throws it up to Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart pulls up from three. Meanwhile, there's two wide-open Celtics underneath the hoop for two. Jalen Brown and somebody else was wide open for a bucket underneath the hoop. Like it just took any one of us could have made that pass. But Smart said, no, I'm going to shoot this three, you know, even though we need the points right now. And, of course, he missed it. And it's like, what are we doing? I think the Celtics are victim of tight booty syndrome late in these games. (laughs) They don't. They don't know. They don't know how to close. They don't know how to finish. They don't know how to how to. They they haven't learned how to win, which is frustrating to me because this is the third time in four years, and I get that they're young, but the third time in four years that they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, can they not? Can they not get a veteran free agent in there? To supposed to be Walker, even though he's still like in his younger years, but he he has experience and he's supposed to be that captain of the team and take over. And, and, and I know like you're criticizing Johnny smart in some ways for taking that shot, but I actually like when the offense in some ways Agreed. turns he's- into Marcus smart, being up, bringing up the ball and Walker, not being in the game. I think the, there's Smart a had one drive, assist kick out and more flow movement to the offense rather when Kimba's in the game and he's sitting on the high, high, end of the of the top of the three-point line dribble 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 for high pick and roll with tatum and then they just isolate and try to dribble to create a shot and the offense gets stagnant and just doesn't move and i I think in some ways you can find a creative way if you're brad stevens is figure out how to reduce kimba's minutes or not even start him but i know you can't get away with that no no that's the talk today that is the talk and even danny Ainge was asked that question earlier today are we going to start sacrificing Kemba Walker for Brad Wanamaker? 
Wanamaker had five steals and he doesn't get exposed on defense. And if Kemba isn't going to give you anything offensively, if he's not going to give you anything offensively, then there's no difference than having Kemba Walker, Brad Wanamaker into Kemba Walker and you get an upgrade on defense because he's not going to get exposed like Kemba gets exposed on defense. So that is in serious consideration. I, I'm, I'm telling right. you, like that, that is now a serious topic for discussion. Is Kemba going to get benched Absolutely. from Wanamaker? Well, I, I think in a way too, like you got to pull ties to the side and tell tell him to get a little bit more hard nose. Stop crying about the fouls. Uh, Don't foul, but play more aggressively. He's fallen into this kind of like bitchy little role that he wasn't that guy going into this mm-hmm. into these playoffs. So that goes over to a back to one of Ernesto's overall NBA topics, which I thought was fantastic, you know, because we were talking about Celtics and what they're doing and they're just taking these horrible three pointers or, you know, they they take it to the hoop and someone takes it to the hoop and looks for a foul. That's all the NBA has become these days is a three point shot or you drive to the hoop looking to get a foul call. And, you know, guys like James Harden have perfected that. And that's what it is. So you get all these guys either flopping by the hoop or taking these crazy long three-pointers. And I don't think that when the three-point line was instituted by the NBA in the early 80s that this was what the ultimate goal was. And I think that this is an off-season conversation, overall broader topic. But I think that at some point they're going to have to look at extending the three-point line a little bit further because the game – Which is crazy to think about. You watch the game and it is not – I mean, Ernesto, I think you could probably speak to this more than either of us can, but it's not as aesthetically pleasing because the game, it, it it's gets very ticky tack. Uh, there's, tacky. I feel like the first three quarters of the game, or at least the first 10 minutes of every quarter, have like really good flow. And there's like, it's like back and forth and it's good plays. And, but once they start playing situational basketball and looking at the clock and, and, you know, coaching gets into it and they're manipulating uh, different things and they set up a situation and then there's this burst and then everybody waits around and looks what you know is there a foul and there's a guy who's like got his hands up and it's like he's not even going from the ball he's just trying to look like he's not fouling this guy you know and then there's a whistle and i'm not even really sure what happened or why it was a foul like that kind of just you know and there's a like, sniper rifle and guys are getting look like they're getting <laughs> shot on the court like it kind of re- and michael smart marcus smart diving all over the place <laughs> it it kind of reminds me of those like third down you know long passes that you see in the nfl now uh when teams are down late where yeah, it's like good, you know what fuck it let's point. take let's take a fucking shot here and see if we can get some you know a foul and it's it's like infuriating because hard defense is fun to watch. Physical basketball is fun to watch. I don't actually remember watching the Bulls play, but watching the last dance reminded me of why that was so much fun to watch. And it's because it was it was like in your face and it was hard and it was fun. And, uh, you know, again, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, so it's and we see this across sports. You, you know, can, there's you a lot think, of embellishment, but 
you can thank Indiana and Detroit and the, and the fighting the stands for that. That's what that's the day the game changed. And and so now it's become these guys like trying to show that they're getting fouled. They're kicking out their leg on three pointers to make contact. You know, they're trying to have contact with their fingers. Like I think these ticky tack fouls on the three point line are such game changers too. Like if you get in somebody's space while he's shooting a three point line, like that's three shots. Like. You're changing games in series. Like, intentional. It's unbelievable what's happening to this Stupid. game. And it is and it's ugly to watch, man. It's like how has this become, uh, become this? It's become soccer. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. Neymar. Neymar dry, diving all over the field. I mean, it's just become where they rather take the energy and time to argue a foul or look innocent rather than go hard and finish a play or or get involved. I mean, it's just everybody's looking for an out. Yeah. Quick, uh, quick point of interest. I haven't watched enough to uh, really have any gauge on this. How's the free throw shooting been? Has it been pretty on? Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that they're in that studio, basically? You know, there aren't any fans distracting. There isn't the, like, heat of the crowd on you. Like, they do have the fan cams, though. Yeah, oh, they do. Yeah. They mimic it. No, no. They, they. So what they do is they show a screen of people. So I think when you're shooting a free throw, it looks like you're in a stadium and there's a bunch of fans going crazy behind you because it, if you look yeah, to the right, it, the right of the screen, sometimes you can see it. The yeah, percent, but that, the that cannot be the same. That yeah, cannot right. be the same. As, you're right, but like, the percentages say there's not much difference. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, so well, that was that was the subtle. actual question I was asking. Yeah. Whether I the... think, well, I think I think if you're at that level, your your muscle memory is there. You're either a poor free throw shooter or a good free throw shooter. I think that's just yeah. the difference. Yeah. So anyway, getting so getting back to like the core NBA topic here. So you know, last night, you know, so we saw the Celtics fall go down, and they're down one game to none to the Heat. Uh, and for me, it, it, you know, I'm worried for the Celtics. I'm worried for so many reasons. Um, you know, I just I feel this is a, another broader topic, but I feel like the Celtics always get screwed on foul calls, on ping pong balls. They've only had one good year in the last 35. It's been a, a kind of a tough Celtics existence, and I'm kind of getting used to the losing uh, and the not being able to close out at the end of the games. And if they pull it off, I, I don't want to see them lose to LeBron and the Lakers which seems almost inevitable at this point because I think it, it's come to me that this is the LeBron James invitational for the Lakers. And with Kobe Bryant dying this past year, the Lakers, it's like it's all set up for the Lakers and LeBron to go ahead and win the championship in the bubble this year. And then you know some big social justice statement will be made at the end, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, and that's just what it seems like to me. I, I mean, so – do I want the Celtics to win? Absolutely, absolutely. But as I'm going to try not to get my hopes up too high, uh, because in fear of getting let down by the inevitable. You're going to hate me because I, I, I think the Heat take this. Um, I think they play with more energy. It's almost like me watching the Stars against the Golden Knights and watch the Heat play Boston because they almost seem dumbfounded with their defense at some points. They seem a little lost and as much as we can get stagnant as the Celtics, I but really Celtics think you are the better team when they play. The yeah, Celtics are the better team when they play their game, but they stop playing their game. 
but they just know the bench, the bench, the heat, the role players, they just seem like they're really stepping up and accepting their role where I feel like the Celtics are lost right now. Who to lean on? Yeah. They have Tatum, but Jalen's taken over in these, in these playoffs. Kemba's just been fucking gone. So, and then Ty, I, I think they roll when Tice gets really involved. Um, Wanamaker's right there. And, and I, and they've been really efficient when smart has been playing a double, double game with 20, 20 points, somewhat, some like 10 rebounds. But I, I just think they're a little bit more clueless of how they're matching up against the heat. I think Spolstra is going to take it to Stevens in some way with, with his coaching. I admire the guy. I admire him as a coach. I think he's one of the, one of the good ones. And I think this is still a learning lesson. Oddly enough, it, for Stevens, even though he's in for so many years now with the Celtics, does it surprise you that uh, Eric Spol- that Spolstra and Coach Brad Stevens uh, walk the track during the daytime together? Does that surprise you at all? I think in some ways, and I think that's how the game has changed a little bit. I think well, and, and this is a different situation. And where do you draw the line? But in ways, I think they're very similar in how they mm-hmm. coach. I think they're very similar how they game plan and. I think there may be just a camaraderie there. I don't think anything's being shared. I think these are just oh, two no. intelligent no, men. No, I just, just think it's it. it's not surprising to me. I think that it just I, if you were to guess, would are they friends? You would say yes, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course they're friends. They, yeah, they they look almost exactly the same. They're you know they're <laughs> of course they're friends. Expressionalist, they the same. no expression. Wait, no wait, expression. Wait, yeah, they, over my words. Of, co- of course they're friends, yeah. and so it doesn't surprise me one bit that they hang out during the day and walk the track together. But you see that in the NFL, like in pregame warmups of like people coming across the lines and, and shaking hands. They share the same agent. I mean, the game's changed. NFL, like even from the late '80s to to mid '90s, has shifted so much in the past twenty years of. Now these guys just hang out with each other in the off season and this and that. And I mean, there was true hatred back in the day between football teams. And There's you don't still see hatred that anymore, between so. Pat Riley and Danny Ainge still hate each other. That's old school. Like like when you you're you're taught to hate each other. You're divided from East Coast West Coast, and you're going to war. And that's the way those guys used to play. And. What Johnny? I mean, these guys are looking more longevity now. They treat it as a career. They treat it as as just a sport in some ways, and they're only going to play so hard in, in in so many moments. And I think it goes back to what Nesta was saying that you see ten minutes of like this, whatever kind of basketball of loose play and just not really identifying and finding flow, as he says, um, yeah, flow. But what you see is like they just turn it on in certain minutes of the game and try to make that the game itself. And I think you're losing the essence of what the sport was.
Should we touch base on Johnny's quest for all the the trophies in 2K football, basketball, <laughs> baseball? <laughs> we were getting play-by-play analysis some nights. Yeah, no, he says he's not very good. I think twelve-year, I think twelve-year-olds have been like fucking spanking him and making fun of him. I don't play online. Oh, I, I just play CPU. I'm not ready for online. <laughs> you should play uh, Brian. I know we've talked about it. I've talked about it. We've talked about it, but we've never actually come together to do it. I think you'd destroy him. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. All right. Well, now I'm going to have to cut the first minute of this recording, too. So. <laughs> Were you recording? Yeah. Oh, I thought. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like, I'll just okay. I'll just cut it. But. <laughs> You're setting it up for the next one. This is the next one. <laughs> Let's leave it in. All right. No, no, no. I'm cutting it out. Hmm. Um, okay. All right, so as far as my penguins go, I was obviously very disappointed to to see them lose in even the play-in round, uh, you know, not even technically the playoffs yet. Uh, so, and especially four to one, and we just underperformed pretty much the whole time. We find out, of course, that... Uh, there were a lot of injuries and, you know, the whole thing was just a very different situation. Hockey players are definitely known for their uh, dependence on routine and ritual. And, you know, they're viciously superstitious and, and unable to, to do the things that get them in the right mindset. Um, but... I did see some things that um, I'm like really finally coming to terms with. It's like uh, between Sid and Gino, we're probably only going to have one of them retire as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Um, And I think it might be worth you know, blowing up a good portion of this team, uh, you know, sending Matt Murray away, uh, just, just really trying to start over and have the new penguins be, uh, a team that is very young, very fast with good leadership. And, um, you know, maybe, Maybe think of like a uh, God. What's a good comparison? Kind of like the Carolina Panther or Carolina Pan- Carolina Hurricane. You know, uh, fun, fast, high flying, um, and, and just just take the whole thing in a di- in a different direction. Because I, I I feel like they've been trying to do that with old guys and pieces that don't really fit together. Does anybody want to say anything in response? Agreed. 
Wow, you toss it up. It's a perfect spike, and he just watched it. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know shit about the penguins, so otherwise no, I, I can't say I anything right I now. Know. <laughs> we know. We all know who that was. <laughs> You're hurting him over here, Johnny. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's all right. We'll 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 talk about basketball. That's what we all came for. So you're not going to talk right. about the stars. <laughs> oh right, right. I'm yeah, sweet. no. Let, we got to let Marty go. I talk a little bit about them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't start watching until they played played Vegas. Excuse me, <laughs> Vegas. It's you didn't watch it. You didn't watch any other games against Colorado. I watched here and there. I didn't. I didn't. I still have a very hard time until playoff time to watch hockey through and through. Man, that Colorado <laughs> series was insane. This is the playoffs. No, but I'm just saying, like they just bursted onto the scene. And the first round when they won, I'm like, okay, yeah. But to take Vegas four-one, yeah, I was Nobody like, holy shit! That. I caught like the last four games. Yeah. And one thing that stood out to me was, and here we go in my segment of me mispronouncing a hockey player's oh, name. Oh, I love this. <laughs> Ew. Uh, between the pipes for Dallas, we have Anton Kadobin. Former Bruin, former Boston Bruin. Um, I just thought he was incredible. He stopped 153 shots out of 161 on, on the net. That's 95 uh, 95% save percentage right there. Blows my mind. Is yeah. that, and it's incredible, right? Yeah. I don't, for no. somebody who doesn't watch a lot of golf yeah. matches. <laughs> now I'm like throwing it up there and everybody's like, uh, what are, yeah. you trying, what are you trying to say, buddy? No, it's crazy. And and they're doing it with um, guys. They're doing it with guys that are not um, their stars. Like, Tyler Sagan might as well be wearing a red and white striped fucking turtleneck. Well, I, was I was reading an article and, and tell me what nowhere. this means as far as you guys watching hockey way more than I do, like what it means to be malleable. They they, they call the team um, a group of shapeshifters, like they've just been adjusting through the playoffs against each team. Yep. So as what I saw is like just a hard change of lines and them just going 90 to nothing and exciting and defensively coming out, of, uh, you know, just being amazing. And I think if they're offensively, Johnny or, or Nesto, they're like, uh, like 23rd in scoring in the league and they're, and they're going to the Stanley Club playoffs. Yeah. But against Colorado, you know, that, that there was like not, and it, like not almost nine goals combined every game. And it, it was insane. And it was, and it's not just, it's not just that they're winning. It's not like the Islanders winning, where the Islanders win games two to one or score an empty netter to win three to one. No, they'll be down like in the closing game against Vegas. They were down two nothing with ten minutes to go, and I was like, oh, okay, Vegas has that one. But I should know better because I've been watching these Stars games, and th and this is what they've been doing for the entire playoff run is they've been doing these late comebacks and then they'll take it to overtime and polish it off in overtime, but they're, they're never out of it. And that's what makes it so exciting is that they're always just, you know, they keep continuing the fight. Like in game seven against Colorado, Colorado scored the game winning goal with like three minutes to go. And literally 10 seconds later, Dallas goes down and ties it back up. And then the game goes to overtime. They win it in overtime. Right. I mean, the games that they've been playing are insane. And there's such a good um, 
feel-good story or, or pitch man. They're the Fernando Tatises to baseball is what Dallas Stars are <laughs> to, to NHL right now. Yeah. Because they're so exciting. You know, you don't want a team like Mike Trout is the Islanders, okay? That's what Mike Trout is, you know? Good, solid, dependable, boring. That's Mike yeah. Trout. The Dallas Stars are Fernando Tatis. Just exciting, can't miss TV because they do something exciting every single night. The so, rookie, the rookie uh, Yoel Kiviranta, uh gets the game winner. Um, you know, just they're getting it from everywhere but Tyler Sagan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe he's saving it for the Stanley Cup. I don't know. We'll see. I, so, what's your prediction for them, Johnny? Uh, well, uh, so I have a futures bet on, on the on the Tampa Bay Lightning. It only pays ninety bucks, but to win the Stanley Cup. But I kind of want just say the Stars. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather the Stars win because I like the Stars better. For the story, I, I hate Tampa Bay, but I just I I had to throw money on them because I was like, they're the best. They, to me, they they seem like the best team, and the, after what happened last year to them. They seem like the obvious choice to pick to win it all. They win the Stanley Cup this year, or the the most yeah the most obvious choice to me. Um, so I think that Tampa Bay is going to be favorites. I mean they're only up three to two in the conference finals right now, but I think that they will advance, and I think that they will be favored against Dallas. But Dallas has been underdogs for the last two series, and it hasn't mattered. They and it, they, it's not just that they've been small underdogs; they've been sizable underdogs. They were big underdogs right. against Vegas. They were big underdogs against Colorado. So they'll be big underdogs again, Tampa Bay. And that that Colorado series was come from behind too. Like they were getting taken to at the beginning of that. Yep. Yep. Do you think, Johnny, if um stars go on and win this, this is the big this is a bigger story than when the when the Golden Knights did it? Well, no, I don't think so because Golden the Golden Knights won. is an ex and the and it's an expansion team. So uh, I think it's a huge story that an expansion team has gone to the conference, uh, the at least the conference finals, um, two out of out of three seasons. Um, as, as the Stars franchise won a won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, they won. Yes. Yeah, very famously. With Madonna, with, right? Yeah. Oh, Mike Madonna. Right, 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 right. Of course. Sorry. Okay, so yeah, I guess so. It's not that was only like twenty years ago, so it's not that. It's not that long of a drought. So, Nesto, you're a Pittsburgh Penguin. Johnny, you're a Boston Bruin. Like, you perceive this victory or this Stanley, Stanley Club as a player. Do you, you respect it just the same? Yeah. For like, the team across the board? Like it, like Johnny said, yeah. it... I'm just bringing it, it back to, like, now, now we're talking about 2019, who's going to win. 20, I get that. And if you Stanley have to Cup beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, if you have I'm to beat the like, Tampa Bay Lightning, good luck. Well, good here's... Luck. A, Here's the thing, though. The Tampa Bay Lightning are so good because of their depth, but they've really dug into their depth. They don't have Steven Stamkos. They haven't had um, uh, Kuch- is it Kucherov? No, Kucherov has been playing. He's been playing like a bitch, but he's been playing. No, I know, but but they. <laughs> that's why I said they haven't had him. <laughs> he he's uh, Braden Point missed last game with an injury. Yep. Braden Point was out. They're like those are those are big pieces to be missing. Right, but they still have okay. They're playing with know, they MB, They're playing with MVP Nikita Kucherov. 
They're playing with Vezina, best goalie, and um, Vasilevsky. They're playing with Norris, best defenseman, Victor Hedman. So spare me a Tampa Bay short. <laughs> Dude, <you> just spit. <laughs> they're not short. <laughs> Maybe they're, they're short for them, but you know what I mean? Like, they're not short. <laughs> They're, they're still just as talented. You have to be more. quiet. <laughs> like, you right there. Wow. Joe, well, yeah, I agree. The uh, I don't know. I, I still <laughs> I think they're know. the they're going to pull it out against the Islanders. Um, I do but... too. So it's Stars Lightning. So what do you think, Nesto? Oh, I I I got a, a ten dollar bet with a buddy that the Lightning is going to win. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just, there is there is never a fucking chance that I thought the stars would be in this position. Although, if they do wind up winning or doing well, I'll be very, very, very happy for you. All right. Hey, yeah, go, stars. go stars. Go stars. Go stars. My heart is with the stars, but my wallet's with the lightning. Yep. D- ditto. <laughs> ditto. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's move into the baskets bull. Oof. 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 <laughs> Bef- all right, before you guys go on a Celtics tirade, why don't you just give us kind of an overview uh, similar to what we did for... Well, I'll kick it off to Johnny. I'll, I'll lay it up to you, but the emergence of Luka Doncic. I think you saw a superstar in the making in this bubble playoffs. Uh, yeah, no, and I agree, but I'm sorry. I mean that for me a couple weeks ago in it, the sports, the sports has been fast and furious coming at you. Like, just like, woo, 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 woo. like it's been hard to keep up. So, but I have been, but it's the, what happens now is you say Luka Doncic and it feels like that was five years ago. Yeah. Okay. So now that. you, you got to remind me now. I, I know it was good. So, but what was it? Okay, so Luka Doncic. Oh, the Clippers, four games to two. But he played great. Mm-hmm. He played great. He announced his presence with authority. Yes, he was fantastic. They just weren't as deep. I mean, right. it was just a thing where their talent just, just matched up. It was just they got hard. They pressed on him. They were physical with him. And they pushed him to the limit, and you could see. And, and there's this whole thing with Doncic: is, is he still soft? Because he just seems like he's walking off the court or taking a break here, limping there. And I understand you get beat up. That's where he's got to let go of this baby fat in some ways, mm-hmm. and uh, starting to put on some man man weight, some muscle, almost like Jordan did. I'm not comparing him to Jordan. I'm just saying, like he wants to go to the basket. He wants to be physical you got to be prepared to take that beating and get your body in shape for that. And I think that's where his shortcoming is still right now of being one of the greats. If Porzingis in that series as well, doesn't get in foul trouble and do stupid shit that got, he's a dog in a bad position. Maybe one of those dog. games could have shift, shifted a different way for him as well. Yeah, Porzingis is fucking garbage. I agree. He's got a, he's got a skill set that you're going to admire and think that you can like break this guy into being a premier player but he can't get out of his own way. Yeah. No, you're, so now that we're talking about it, you reminded me, Luca had that one insane game where he put the team on his back. They come back and they win, and they win in overtime, and his stat line was just 40-plus points and every other kind of number you can imagine. Um, and mm-hmm. then they showered him in the locker room because 
you know, he basically won the game all by himself. All right, now now my memory is refreshed. Um, but yeah, that was back, back a few weeks ago. So, um, but so right now, to me, this is how I put myself to sleep last night, gentlemen. The twenty twenty bubble. Yeah, right. No, <laughs> after that loss, no, no fucking way. Uh, the twenty twenty bubble for the NBA. It's the LeBron James Invitational. Oh Jesus. Okay, that makes it easier, doesn't it? Doesn't that help? Doesn't that help? No. That, that helps because guess what? Celtics aren't beating the Lakers and LeBron James anyway. And even if they do advance, do we want them to lose to the Lakers and LeBron James in the NBA Finals so that they can match the Celtics in championships at 17? Do we want that to happen? Do we want that pain in our lives? No. No, we don't. So guess what? Let's just let LeBron have his, his championship. So you just lay down? And lay, it makes it easier, Marty. Because I can't. It just makes it easier. Makes it easier. We we make Tyler Hero your hero. Oh my God! So let me tell you the Tyler Hero story that I heard today. (laughs) It's a new one. I'm just baiting him now. Oh my God! So I I knew I knew this, but it it, I don't know. Like some of the stuff seems so long ago in my mind. So when he was drafted in the last draft, the Celtics had him in for workouts and like private workouts, and the Celtics were going to take him at pick 14, and they were all set to take him. And the Miami Heat picked one spot in front of them at 13 uh, because the Celtics had the Kings pick. um, And there was a coin toss before the draft between the Kings and the Heat to decide who has that pick because it was it was tied. And the Miami Heat won the coin toss. Right. So the, the Heat get to pick 13. The Celtics get to pick 14. Pat Riley, the president of the Miami Heat, catches wind are that Danny Ainge and the Celtics are working out Tyler, Tyler Harrow, and they're highly interested and highly motivated, and they want to draft him, and he's perfect for the Celtics because they needed a shooter after last year. Remember how bad they were at shooting last year? They were terrible. They needed Absolutely. a shooter. They're, okay? They're so Pat Riley, who hates Danny Ainge, and vice versa, Danny Ainge hates Pat Riley. Uh, Danny Ainge confirmed as much on the radio this morning. You know, after they've had multiple run-ins going back to the 80s with the Lakers. Anyway, so Pat Riley, just despite Danny Ainge, goes and takes Tyler Harrow one spot ahead of the Celtics in the last draft. And now it's fitting that Tyler Harrow is burning the Celtics with late threes with a minute to go uh, to bring the heat to the the precipice of victory in game one last night. (laughs) Fitting story. So what do you think the story is behind the uh, 21-point collapse? Doc Rivers at his best. Meaning his worst. Are we talking Clippers or Celtics? What are we talking right now? Weren't the Celtics up by 21 points? No, 14 in the fourth quarter. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the downfall of... uh... Nug- sorry, Nuggets. Sorry, was that the twenty-one point thing? I might have gotten that confused. In yeah, my they head. came back, beat the Clippers. Oh, okay. Upset them from a three-one deficit. Christ. All right. Well, you want to fucking talk about? That? <laughs> I mean, okay. Johnny, I, I, thought, uh, I thought you were naturally leading in that way, anyway. So yeah, I mean, I was, I was trying well, to move it along, but I thought, I thought it was the same thing. So for me, Marty and Ernesto, the Celtics last night, when they were up 14 points with, you know, just around six or seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, they were playing Celtic basketball. They were playing defense. They were moving the ball around. They were getting the good shots. 
And then they stopped. They suddenly started to dribble, 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 walk the ball up the court, run the shot clock down to the final five, four, three, two, one seconds, and take a contested three-point shot as time was running out on the shot clock or not even getting a shot, shot off before the shot clock went off. And, and that was possession after possession. They stopped playing Celtic basketball, and you could see it right there. And then <clears throat> after one play that the Heat missed, Marcus Smart, uh, one of the Celtics players gets a rebound, throws it up to Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart pulls up from three. Meanwhile, there's two wide-open Celtics underneath the hoop for two. Jalen Brown and somebody else was wide open for a bucket underneath the hoop. Like, it just took nice. – I, I, any one of us could have made that pass. But Smart said, "Nah, I'm going to shoot this three, you know, even though we need the points right now. And, of course, he missed it. And it's like, what are we doing? I think the Celtics are victim of tight booty syndrome late in these games. <laughs> they don't they don't know. They don't know how to close. They don't know how to finish. They don't know how to how to they, they haven't learned how to win, which is frustrating to me because this is the third time in four years. And I get that they're young, but the third time in four years that they've been to the Eastern Conference finals. Like, I, can so they this not? Can they not get a veteran free agent in there? To... That was supposed to be Walker, even though he's still like in his younger years, but he, he has experience and he's supposed to be that captain of the team and take over. And, and and I know like you're criticizing Johnny Smart in some ways for taking that shot, but I actually like when the offense in some ways Agreed. turns he's... into Marcus Smart being up, bringing up the ball and Walker not being in the game. I think the, there's Smart a had one drive, kick time. out, and more flow movement to the offense rather when Kimba's in the game and he's sitting on the high high end of the of the top of the three point line. Dribble, 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 wing, dribble for high pick and roll with yeah. Tatum, and then they just isolate and try to dribble to create a shot, and the offense gets stagnant and just doesn't move. And I, I think in some ways you can find a creative way if you're Brad Stevens is figure out how to reduce Kimba's minutes or not even. Start him, but I know you can't oh, that's get away the with talk. that. No, no, that's the talk today. That is the talk. And even Danny Ainge was asked that question earlier today. Are we going to start sacrificing Kemba Walker for Brad Wanamaker? Wanamaker had five steals, and he doesn't get exposed on defense. And if Kemba isn't going to give you anything offensively, if he's not going to give you anything offensively, then there's no difference than having Kemba Walker, Brad Wanamaker and Kemba Walker, and you get an upgrade on defense because he's not going to get exposed like Kemba gets exposed on defense. So that is in serious consideration. I, I'm, I'm telling right. you, like that, that is now a serious topic for discussion. Is Kemba going to get benched Absolutely. from Wanamaker? Well, I, I think in a way too, like you got to pull Tice to the side and tell tell him to get a little bit more hard nose. Stop crying about the fouls. Uh, Don't foul, but play more aggressively. He's fallen into this kind of like bitchy little role that he wasn't that guy going into this mm-hmm. into these playoffs. So that goes over to a back to one of Ernesto's overall NBA topics, which I thought was fantastic, you know, because we were talking about Celtics and what they're doing and they're just taking these horrible three pointers or, you know, they they take it to the hoop and someone takes it to the hoop and looks for a foul. That's all the NBA has become these days is a three point shot or you drive to the hoop looking to get a foul call. And, you know, guys like James Harden have perfected that. And that's what it is. So you get all these guys either flopping by the hoop, or taking these crazy long three-pointers. And I don't think that when the three-point line was instituted by the NBA in the early 80s, that this was what the ultimate goal was. And I think that this is an off-season conversation, overall broader topic. But 
I think that at some point they're going to have to look at extending the three-point line a little bit further because the game – Which is crazy to think about. You watch the game, and it is not – I mean, Ernesto, I think you could probably speak to this more than either of us can, but it's not as aesthetically pleasing because the game it, – it It's gets, very ticky-tack. Uh, there's, tacky. I feel like – I feel like the first three quarters of the game, or at least the first, um, you know, 10 minutes of every quarter have like really good flow. And there's like, it's like back and forth and it's good plays. And, um, you know, but once they start playing situational basketball and looking at the clock and, and, you know, coaching gets into it and they're manipulating uh, d- different things and they set up a situation and then there's this burst and then everybody waits around and looks, what you know, is there a foul? And there's a guy who's like got his hands up and it's like, he's not even going from the ball. He's just trying to look like he's not fouling this guy, you know, and then there's a whistle and I'm not <laughs> even really sure what happened or why it was a foul like that kind of just you know and there's a like... sniper rifle and guys are getting look like they're getting <laughs> shot on the court like it kyle re- lowry and michael smart marcus smart diving all over the place <laughs> it it kind of reminds me of those like third down uh you know long passes that you see in the nfl now uh when teams are down late where yeah, it's like good, you know what fuck it let's point. take it let's take a fucking shot here and see if we can get some, you know, a foul. And it's, it's like infuriating because hard defense is fun to watch. Physical basketball is fun to watch. I don't actually remember watching the bulls play, but watching the last dance reminded me of why that was so much fun to watch. And it's because it was, it was like in your face and it was hard and it was fun and, uh, you know, again, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So it's, and, and we see this ac- across sports, you, you know, can, there's you a lot think, of embellishment, but you can think Indiana and Detroit and the, and the fight in the Ramsey. stands for that. That's what, that's the day the game changed. <laughs> and, and so now it's become these guys like trying to show that they're getting fouled. They're kicking out their leg on three pointers to make contact you know, they're trying to have contact with their fingers. Like, I think these ticky-tack fouls on the three-point line are such game changers, too. Like, if you get in somebody's space while he's shooting a three-point line, like, that's three shots. Like, you're changing the games in series. Like, intentional. it's unbelievable what's happening to this Stupid. game. And, it is, and it's ugly to watch, man. It's like, how has this become, uh, become this? It's become soccer. Right, yeah, it's like yeah. Neymar, Neymar dry, diving all over the field. I mean, it's just become where they rather take the energy and time to argue a foul or look innocent rather than go hard and finish a play or or get involved. I mean, it's just everybody's looking for an out. Yeah. Quick, uh, quick point of interest. I haven't watched enough to uh, really have any gauge on this. How's the free throw shooting been? Has it been pretty on? Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that they're in that studio, basically? You know, there aren't any fans distracting. There isn't the, like, heat of the crowd on you. Like, they do have the fan cams, though. Fa- yeah. Oh, they do, yeah. They mimic it. 
no, no, they, they're, so what they do is they show a screen of people. So I think when you're shooting a free throw, it looks like you're in a stadium and there's a bunch of fans going crazy behind you because it, if you look yeah, to the right, it, the right of the screen, sometimes you can see it. The yeah, percent, but that, the that cannot be the same. That cannot right. be the same. As, you're right, but like, the percentages say there's not much difference. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, so well, that was that was the subtle. actual question I was asking. Yeah. Whether I the... think well, I think I think if you're at that level, your your muscle memory is there. You're either a poor free throw shooter or a good free throw shooter. I think that's yeah. just the difference. Yeah. So anyway, getting so getting back to like the core NBA topic here. So you know, last night, you know, so we saw the Celtics fall go down, and they're down one game to none to the Heat. Uh, and for me, it, it, you know, I'm worried for the Celtics. I'm worried for so many reasons. Um, you know, I just, I feel this is a, another broader topic, but I feel like the Celtics always get screwed on foul calls, on ping pong balls. They've only had one good year in the last 35. It's been a, a kind of a tough Celtics existence, and I'm kind of getting used to the losing uh, and the not being able to close out at the end of the games. And if they pull it off, I, I don't want to see them lose to LeBron and the Lakers which seems almost inevitable at this point because I think it, it's come to me that this is the LeBron James invitational for the Lakers. And with Kobe Bryant dying this past year, the Lakers, it's like it's all set up for the Lakers and LeBron to go ahead and win the championship in the bubble this year. And then you know some big social justice statement will be made at the end, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, and that's just what it seems like to me. I, I mean, so – do I want the Celtics to win? Absolutely, absolutely. But as I'm going to try not to get my hopes up too high, uh, because in fear of getting let down by the inevitable. You're going to hate me because I, I, I think the Heat take this. Um, I think they play with more energy. It's almost like me watching the Stars against the Golden Knights and watch the Heat play Boston because they almost seem dumbfounded with their defense at some points. They seem a little lost and as much as we can get stagnant as the Celtics, I but really Celtics think you're the better team when they play. The yeah. Celtics are the but better team Johnny's... when they play their game, but they stop playing their game. But they just know the bench the bench for the heat, the role players, they just seem like they're really stepping up and accepting their role where I feel like the Celtics are lost right now, who to lean on. Yeah, they have Tatum, but Jalen's taken over in these in these playoffs. Kimba's just been fucking gone. So, and then Ty, I, I think they roll when Tice gets really involved. Um, Wanamaker's right there. And, and, I, and they've been really efficient when Smart has been playing a double-double game with 20, 20 points, somewhat, some like 10 rebounds. But I, I just think they're a little bit more clueless of how they're matching up against the Heat. I think Spolstra is going to take it to Stevens in some way with with his coaching. I admire the guy. I admire him as a coach. I think he's one of the one of the good ones. And I think this is still a learning lesson, oddly does enough, it, for Stevens, even though he's in for so many years now with the Celtics. Does it surprise you that uh, Eric Spol that Spolstra and Coach Brad Stevens uh, walk the track? during the daytime together? Does that surprise you at all? I think in some ways, and I think that's how the game has changed a little bit. I think, well, and this is a different situation and where do you draw the line? But in ways I think they're very similar in how they mm -hmm. coach. I think they're very similar how they game plan. And uh, I think there may be just a camaraderie there. I don't think anything's being shared. I think these are just oh, too no. intelligent. No, I just think it's, 
it's not surprising to me. I think that it just, I, if you were to guess, would, are they friends? You would say yes, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course they're friends. Yeah. They, they, they look almost exactly the same. They're, you know, they're, <laughs> of course they're friends. Expressionless. They the no expression. They, wait, no wait, expression. Wait, yeah. They, over my words. Of, co- of course they're friends. Yeah. And so it doesn't surprise me one bit that they hang out during the day and walk the track together. But you see that in the NFL, like in pregame warmups of like people coming across the lines and, and shaking hands. They share the same agent. I mean, the game's changed. NFL, like even from the late 80s to, to mid 90s, has shifted so much in the past 20 years of now these guys just hang out with each other in the offseason and this and that. And I mean, there was true hatred back in the day between football teams. And There's you don't still see hatred that anymore. So Pat Riley and Danny Ainge still hate each other. That's old school, like like when you you're you're taught to hate each other. You're divided from East Coast West Coast, and you're going to war, and that's the way those guys used to play. And what Johnny? I mean, these guys are looking more longevity now. They treat it as a career. They treat it as it's just a sport in some ways, and they're only going to play so hard and in, in in so many moments. And I think it goes back to what Nesta was saying that you see ten minutes of like this whatever kind of basketball of loose play and just not really identifying and finding flow as he says um yeah flow but what you see is like they just turn it on in certain minutes of the game and try to make that the game itself and i think you're losing the essence of what the sport was this concludes part two of green mountain sports roundup episode 53 (laughs) 